Every time I'm on campus, I'm just so filled with hope for the future. This next generation, like how much they care, how much they want to participate. As Christians, like we're called to this future of a garden-like city. Like we already know the end of the story. We know who wins. We know our place in it. And we just want more people to be there with us. There's a lot out there on this, and you can look in the history of civilizations, anthropology, and even find this as well. We are designed for narrative. There's something about the human being. It's coded deep within us, narrative, the power of story. We have to be connected to a story larger than ourselves and in that live out our personal story. And the Jesus story, the God story, provides the meta-narrative for the Christ follower. And we believe it's the ultimate narrative. And today we have with us the second part of an important conversation with Trinity Harrison Clark. She works with college students. We have Matt Rains with us again, a pastor and a friend. I call him a kingdom color commentary guy. You see, the good news, the gospel, is that we're invited into the Christ story as vice regents to rule and to reign with him, starting right now. And its culmination, its conclusion, not even a conclusion because it's unending, but its full maturation eventuates in the new heavens and in the new earth following Christ's second coming. But it begins now, and each of us each of us as individuals, and this is important, walking with others, we each have a part to play in this faith journey, in this Jesus story. This is Brian Del Turco. You're listening to Jesus Smart, the podcast, episode number 99. And I'm not a world-class mathematician, but what does that mean? It means we're one episode away from what we have to put together now as a commemoration episode, episode 100. And what we're going to do is curate through some of the top conversations we've had in the first 100 episodes with little excerpts and some commentary around it, sort of a highlight reel, if you will. Although all of the conversations, and I believe all of the content has been rich, substantial, It moves the needle. We're always looking to have conversations and create content with outcomes in mind. How can we see the story furthered in our lives and with others? How can we move the kingdom needle? What part do we have to play? But this is episode 99. I would encourage you to go back and listen to episode 95 before or after you listen to this episode. I don't think you have to do these in sequence necessarily. In episode 95, it's called A Gospel That Captures the Imagination of Young Adults with Trinity Harrison Clark, along with the color commentary from Matt Raines. This is the second part of that conversation. Let me come back to that just in a moment, but I'd like to call your attention to episode 98, Shut the Door, Keep Out the Devil. That topic is getting a lot of play on the podcast, I can tell you that. What can we do to close the doors? What what are we doing to self-sabotage ourselves as Christ followers and giving access points to our adversary? Shut the door, keep out the devil. That's 98. 97, there was a big kerfuffle <laughs> in the church recently. A statement made by a leading pastor, a leading teacher and author that Beth Moore should go home. The question is, should Beth Moore 
go home. And then one more, 93, I would just like to underscore, Jesus is the ultimate educator. Keep graduating with Denver Daniel, the president of Open Door Christian Schools. Today, though, again, Trinity Harrison Clark, I would encourage you to go to her website, ccojubilee.org forward slash about forward slash our team. And there you can look up her lovely image, Trinity Harrison Clark. She's a campus ministry staff and cross-cultural ministry associate with the Coalition for Christian Outreach. She works with college students, and you can hear more of the details about her bio on the inside of the first part of this conversation, episode 95. And, you know, Christ following is more than walking in good advice. Jesus is more than a teacher. Nicodemus found that out. Oh, Lord, we know you're a teacher sent from God. Jesus looks right back at him and says, listen, you're fundamentally wrong. You must be born again. It's more than good advice. It's more than churchianity awaiting heaven. Christ following is certainly more than all of that. It's beginning to live now in the rule and reign of Christ. I would say that it is ultimate human development, young adults, children, the full spectrum of adulthood. The gospel is more than just a gospel of sin management. It is redemption. It is forgiveness of our sins. We are sinners. We must be cleansed. We must be justified, spiritually regenerated. But it's more than a gospel of sin management. It's a royal pronouncement. You'll hear that in this episode again. We are kingdom agents. We are vice regents under King Jesus. We're going to be playing again in the middle of this episode a short excerpt from Dr. N.T. Wright on the gospel, this emphasis on the gospel as a royal announcement of a new king. Here's Trinity and Matt, and I'll be back at the end with concluding thoughts. Lately, I feel like the Lord's been challenging me with Trinity with Isaiah 58, which is all about justice, you know. They were fasting. God, why aren't you listening to us? We're not, we're not eating food. <laughs> God says, here's the fast I choose. And he, and he just gives this list, and it's a bunch of justice issues. Mm-hmm. It's about, you know, clothing people, bringing the homeless in, feeding them. And I, I just really began to think that, you know, ultimately, when Jesus inaugurates the fullness of his kingdom, when he consummates it, if you will, it's already been inaugurated, the consummation of the kingdom. It's, it's about justice. Yeah. There will be no hunger. There will be no nakedness. There will be no homelessness. Mm-hmm. There will be no slavery. If you align with that future now, here's what I felt the Lord told me. Brian, if you align with what's coming, you are going to position yourself to be blessed. Yeah. And he promises that in Isaiah 58. Your, your healing will speedily spring forth. Your gloom will turn into light if you do these things. It's because that's where things are going, and that's the heart of God. Um, how do we lean into God's future, right? Um, we're not just joining the story. We're joining a movement, at, heading in, in a direction. Yeah. And so we we're have to do— We're people of the eschaton. Can yeah. we say that? We're yeah. people of eschatology. Absolutely. We're people of the future. Yeah. The f- George, George Ladd, the, you know, the, the theologian at Fuller, said that the future has already broken into the present. That's right. Through Christ and the kingdom. That's right. We're to live Hebrews 6, 5 in the powers of the age which are to come. That's right. That's right. Absolutely. And I think uh, living in that means, you know, a a moment ago we talked about a story, a code, and a people. Yes. I think that's part of the code, right? Part of the code is learning how to, how our actions, what good stewardship looks like, uh, 
ecology, the environment. Yeah, and you um, know, honestly, finances. I'll be frank, uh, ecology hasn't been high up on my or my heritage's uh, horizon. Um, and, and interestingly enough, largely because our uh, eschatology has been sort of well, it's all going to burn up in the end anyways. Who cares, right? Yeah. And um, I've had to personally mindset. repent of that, and I've called, have attempted to try to uh, call some of the movement that I'm a part of, and others are way ahead of me. I'm not the only one doing this. Um, but there's a, there's a lot of things like the amount of water. There's a lot of things like, um, you know, uh, I believe it was Nigeria. I have a friend who told me, like, Nigeria makes more than enough vegetables and produce to feed their people. Mm-hmm. Uh, they don't because they sell it off for profit. Um, and so somebody's going to uh, look for the cheapest price on produce and whatever it is. And you have a king or an authority in a gen- general area who is, instead of feeding his people... Being a Martian, the Marvin. Yeah. Right? Our and Marvin, so the Marvin. I think yeah. you can tie a lot of these things, not just back to ecology as you've done, but also uh, the idolatry of actual kings or actual leaders yeah. or monarchs who are more interested in, you know, a feather bed than they are uh, yeah. helping the people. Yeah, there's actually a proverb that says that much food is in the fallow ground of the poor, but injustice has swept it away. And that would be a perfect example of that injustice. But so, Trinity, um, the younger generation today, like millennials, and and I don't even understand all the generations. What is younger than millennials? I know it's X, Y, Z, or I can't keep up with it. (laughs) Gen Z. Yes. Is Gen Z the one right beneath the millennials? Yes. Okay. But they are very millennial, uh, uh, millennials and Gen Z. They're very concerned about justice issues, aren't they? Oh yes, they, they just uh, come way with more it. than any generation ever before. You, the, everything that you do, should have intention behind it, um, and should be evaluated under. You were saying like this. Um, futuristic mindset of what the kingdom is supposed to look like, yeah. what Jesus has already said that the kingdom should look like now, here, today. That's right. Um, I and mean, we're so, saying this is where future is going. Mm-hmm. That's what Jesus is yeah. saying. And there's so many um, students, Gen Z, millennials, um, that are already living this sort of a lifestyle. Um, and I really like using the, the phrase of they want the kingdom without the king. Ah, they want justice. They want righteousness. They want all of these. So it makes me think of Jesus' statement that you're near to the kingdom. You've come close. Who did yes. you tell that to, man? That was somebody. It wasn't a Trinity. I, I, in, in, in the Gospels, but yeah, and you're, like, you're not far away from the kingdom. He yeah, said. they want these kingdom-minded things, um, but they don't want the sacrifice of having to die to self, like we were saying earlier. To you must get be there. born again to yeah. see and enter the kingdom. Yes. And like, if we aren't uh, taking our place as rulers underneath of Christ in the kingdom, we're never actually going to see the true justice of these things come to fruition. Okay. But do you find it encouraging that they're inclined to these things? Yeah. And I think as a church, like we are just completely neglecting that. Like most churches, I would say, probably don't even have a recycling program at their church. Um, And so how are we going to expect these people who care about the environment, care about justice and care about the other, uh, inviting them in and we're like, oh, just pray with us. Just read the Bible with us. And you're like, "Uh, well, don't you see the people down the street that are homeless? They're rightfully not wired for escapism. 
Because the Lord doesn't want us to be escapists. He wants us to occupy until he comes, right? And this is my father's world, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, it's interesting. It's very similar to Gnosticism used to be or some of these old uh, dynamics where uh, the body was yeah. was Looked dirty and ugly matter, in any way. Yeah. So you either restricted it um, in a way that was uh, unbiblical and unholy or yeah. you just said, who cares? We'll just do whatever yeah. we want. One I mean, the, uh, it's the same dynamic the yeah. over and over and over again. Um, yeah, he doesn't ask us. He's not asking us to escape. He's asking us to engage, right? Our problem isn't permission to go. It's the willingness to step on the stinking gas pedal and actually start going, uh, putting feet on our theology. You know, one of the things that Trinity said, too, I thought was interesting. She, she mentioned the same thing earlier about how uh, we come out of the womb as little vice regents and, uh, or uh, little uh, Marvin the Martians. Yeah, and Marvin the Martians. We just, we just don't know how to do that correctly, right? Right. Uh, I think maybe, <laughs> like, this is, these are sort of echoes of Act One, right? Yeah. Act One, the ideal, right? And so when I hear people have angst about the way things are and they're right about it and they're longing for these changes... To me, it's it's a it's a neat conversation to have them say, you know what, this is an echo from the way things should be. Right. Right. Or, this is the magnetism pulling you forward, or this is the echo of Act One in the story when everything was right. And so, what we—that's uh, why you want it. So when you look out and you see these things of people trying to create, um, trying to create utopias, even things that we disagree with, that are that have proved to be dangerous and ugly communism other things like that some of the the seeds of that i think were shouldn't everyone have an opportunity you know it's echoes of eternity sure uh, we try to create a kingdom without a king one one of my friends who knows way more about govern uh, governments and how they work would say you know we keep looking for this ideal governmenting governmental system Christianity says it's a benevolent monarchy and the king's just not back yet. I mean, we're never going to find one until Jesus returns. So we have to start living into that right now. Living into it, leaning into That's it. That's right. Living, orientating ourselves towards that horizon. That's we need right. that horizon and start sort of back living yeah. into our time. That's right. On these issues. That's right. Life is good. That's. I mean, you hear that over and over and over again in the in the creation account, and it was good, and it was good, and it was yeah. good, and it was good. And even in its fallen state, I mean, just stop for a second and look around at this world. It's it's glorious and wonderful and beautiful and amazing and breathtaking, and it's not even fixed yet. And we're know? just looking at the, sort of the residue yeah. of what once was perfect, That's right? That's right. It's like an old classic been, car, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it's, you see all and, the beautiful lines, but you know. But Jesus spoke about the restoration of all things. That's right. Paul says in Romans 8 that all of creation is groaning and awaiting this time where everything will be renewed and restored. And that we now, even we ourselves, groan within ourselves as born-again people. We carry that groaning, that tension that we're moving towards that horizon. When we are set free into our full glory at his coming, all of creation will be as well. We are to now, we can affect creation now, and we are to steward it, right? Yeah, I think that uh, specifically Gen Z, uh, looking at them, they have greater understanding than I think any generation before of what they do has an impact on the world around them. 
they see the generations before of how fossil fuels have led to climate change now, how um, the idea of going to college and um, all these sorts of things have now led to generations and generations of debt. Um, they okay. see the effects of what you do has effects later on down the road. Sure. Um, and so now even more, uh, they want to do things um, that make an impact. Like that's why we see um, even locally here, like um, in the U.S., of students who are striking on, out of school on Fridays for a climate strike to raise awareness of like they see things that are happening now here um, and they want things to be different. And so they're going to do something about it. They don't have the right to vote. They don't have, I mean, they're minors and they're walking out of school uh, to prove a point that they care so much. Um, and the church is just not allowing them to see those different cares and desires um, and bring them in and let them change and shape what the church is going to be in the future. Yeah. I don't know what your eschatology is, Trinity. Um, do you believe in a millennium and, and then the new heavens and new earth to follow? Yeah. All of that. Okay. So do you think it would be helpful for us to look at those passages that speak to what the millennium will be like and what the new heavens and earth will yeah. be like and seek now to backform us, if you will, let that, mm -hmm. let that inform us mm -hmm. and affect uh, the decisions we make and how we lead our lives in yeah. Christ now so, uh, as much as we can? Specifically speaking to that, so the CCO, the organization that I yes. work for, uh, every year in February we have this conference called Jubilee, convenient. Great name there, huh? <laughs> Jubilee um, principle. And at Jubilee, we walk through this four-part narrative of creation, fall, redemption, restoration. Um, with the restoration being on Sunday morning as our Sunday morning gathering. Um, and we really try to... What are they again, the four? Creation? Creation, fall, redemption, restoration. Okay. Um, and in this... Uh, biblical narrative here as we're calling these college students to take a weekend away, um, to come to Pittsburgh, come learn about Jesus, come see what it's all about. How can you integrate your faith with your studies and in your future vocation and throughout all of life, specifically talking about restoration on Sunday morning. Um, two years ago, John Mark Comer, who wrote Garden City, uh, came and gave the restoration talk about uh, what does it look like to live in a garden-like city. Uh, in Revelation 21, 22, uh, they're describing this golden city with a uh, river of life flowing down in the trees on either side, producing fruit 12 months of the year. Um, yeah. That it was he the garden. The heavenly Jerusalem you're yes. referring to yes. that is going Coming to down. come to this earth. Yes. It's going to descend to this mm -hmm. earth. This earth is always going to be here, right? Yes. Okay. And so looking at Genesis of the garden um, and then Revelation 21, 22 of this garden city, of the city um, that was always supposed to come, Jerusalem, uh, the place where God's uh, people and God dwell together. Um, the garden was never supposed to stay a garden. It was always supposed to become a city, always meant for us as humans being placed in the garden to cultivate it, to steward it, and to create cities um, and communities and villages, um, but in the place where God also dwells. Um, and that's what we see in Revelation 21, 22.
We'll come right back to the conversation with Trinity and Matt. Let's hear from N.T. Wright, world-renowned New Testament scholar, an amazing depth of understanding about kingdom theology, and you'll sense that as you hear from him. He's making the case that the good news, this royal pronouncement of a new king and a new reign is a quantum change. It's a public announcement that there's been a fundamental change. God is back as king on the planet. The world is different. Everyone is invited into this new world that's emerging, and it's fundamentally restructuring and redesigning the world. That begins in our born-again spirit. It begins to manifest itself in the people of God and ultimately at the coming of Christ. This is the good news about how God did the thing that he'd always promised to do. And so the story of Je- the whole story of Jesus, not just the beginning and not just the end, the whole story is about something shocking and startling which bursts upon uh, a world which was partly ready for it and mostly not ready for it in the first third of the first century in Palestine. So the whole idea of gospel is that this is a public announcement about something that has happened as a result of which the whole world is a different place and you 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 everyone but individually and corporately is invited to discover that for themselves and to live within the new world that has thereby been created and that's the good news something has happened by which the god who made the world has now fundamentally rescued the world from corruption and decay and everything else and has invited all human beings everywhere to look at jesus the central character in this story and to find in him and through him the way in which that new world has come to pass that they can be part of it. This new world is in Christ. That's what N.T. Wright is saying. We must be born again to see and enter into this new world, this kingdom, this new level of revelation of the kingdom in Christ. That's the conversation that Jesus had with Nicodemus in John chapter 3. When he says that all of the quote-unquote evangelists have Jesus as king on the cross, he's referring to Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John. All the evangelists insist on this, that the words on the cross are Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. He's bringing the long story of Israel to its head. This is what it looks like when God becomes king. Pilate, really under the sovereignty of God, when they would nail the crime for which the criminal was executed on the cross, he had put their King of the Jews, really a touch of sovereignty and a prophetic declaration of what the death of Christ means and what it acquires for history. Where gospel was the good news that either Tiberius or Nero or somebody has become emperor. This is the good news. And for Paul, the good news is the Isaianic news, the news we get from Psalm 2 and so on, that actually the true God has become king in Jesus and that therefore all the other kingdoms of the world are relativized. So the gospel is good news of a new, true, ultimate emperor, a new king. And the Apostle Paul understands in the New Testament that the true God is now the true, ultimate king. And so really, we must reread the scriptures, marinate, soak deeply in the gospels, and in the Bible itself, repray, pray more deeply, rethink 
have deeper thinking with deeper conversations with others, seeking and exploring and want to penetrate deeply into what the gospel really means, what the gospel is. It's the new reign of God. One theologian refers to it as the already, not yet, a famous phrase in theology. But the good news includes this kingdom dynamic. We are to live in light of the new heavens and the new earth beginning right now. Okay, so this is like an interface of heaven and earth in effect, right? Yes. And we'll have to put this book in the show notes page. You'll have to give me the author's name. Yeah, and so at Jubilee... um we present this huge story to these college students about what is yet to come. What is the hope awesome. of the future? Uh, what part do that. you have? You should come. Um, what part do you have in this story? If the garden was never supposed to stay a garden, but always become a garden-like city. What part? Okay, now that is gold. What part do you have? What part do you in have in that? this big narrative arc yes. that's unfolding? Yes. You like architecture? We're going to need those in the future. Ah, now you're, I mean, John Eldridge's books, All Things New, you know, we have this idea of heaven, John Eldridge says, of an eternal church service wedded with a nursing home, like a retirement center. (laughs) It's just not a compelling, it's not a compelling, you try to tell a college student that, right? Yeah. Try to tell me that. (laughs) I, I don't want that. I mean, it's not, it's not accurate. No. What about people that have interest in like music or books or art? Bring it on. Will that be Yeah. Will that be in that future garden city? Of course. Yeah. God cares about everything. Um, Jubilee's theme this year is everything matters. Um, so when we're looking at our families, our relationships, our jobs, everything matters to God. God cares so much more about all the things that you care about, but way beyond that. We need to take a day trip to Pittsburgh in February, huh? I mean, we're going to get equipped there if we go. Absolutely. <laughs> wow. So I, I love that. And I think that's compelling. And so when you disciple college students, when you do one-on-ones or small group mm-hmm. ministry, is this the curricular approach you're following yeah. in your discipleship? Yeah. So uh, this semester specifically uh, in our Bible studies on campus, we're walking through the Gospel of Matthew. Um, and I've been really pushing this holistic story of like, this is who Jesus is, um, and he's calling us to live as if the kingdom is here now. What can we do? What things do we need to take out of this message that Jesus is saying that yeah. we need to live differently today right. because of Jesus coming? Um, how do we apply that into our lives this week? Do you have a workflow when you disciple, like one-on-one, let's say, do you do storyboarding, or do you help people to like locate, look, here are major events in my life until this point. Here's mm-hmm. what's happening now. Here's what I anticipate. Do you take them through some kind of a process like yeah, that? Yeah. So uh, storyboarding is one of the things, uh, one of the tools that we can use in one-on-one discipleship that I think is super powerful. Um, but it also takes a really committed um, relationship to have that sort of uh allowing somebody to enter into your story sure, to hold it with you. Trust issue. Um, yeah. yeah. And so um, I specifically through the CCO have worked with the Allender Center out of Seattle um, and they work on story workshops um, and story sage, uh, different trainings that you can do um, about how your story um, 
has impacted where you are today. Um, and Dan Allender, he has a book, uh, To Be Told, which is amazing, I definitely recommend it, um, about how the story that God has written us into, um, but specifically our individual stories, that God is co-writing the story with us, that as God is already leaving these like breadcrumbs throughout our entire lives of like what we are supposed to be like in the future, who God is maturing us into becoming and how do we take our place with us? Yeah. And how do we take our place next to him as a co-author and write our story there? To get that, to that point, that to is, become a part of I the city. I see, Matt, you're Garden writing city. down these resources, right? Because we want to drop these all on the show notes oh, page, yeah. and I want to get these books myself. But we came up with a phrase in a previous discussion as we were talking about this co-authoring ghostwriter. Yes. And then, of course, me as a Pentecostal, I take it as holy ghostwriter, you know, the ghostwriter <laughs> behind the scenes. Yeah, I think God, um, something that I talk to college students about a lot is their major. What are they going to major in? Uh, what are they going to get their degree in in college? Right. What are they going to be after they graduate? Um, and I always try to help them see the parts of themselves um, that have influenced them up to this point. Who are the people that matter most to them? What are the things that set them on fire? What are the things that get them so excited that they think this is too good to be true? I could never do this as a job. Um, and how do we apply that into their actual mm. careers? Because that's probably where God's moving them to move into. Yeah. Um, and so how do we narrow down, uh, pick up these breadcrumbs that God has already dropped into our lives, put them all together, and then see how this sort of picture uh, we can continue to develop the rest of our lives with God. Yeah. Um, what would you say to the 40-year-old, the 50-year-old about these themes? Yeah, I think there's this... this um, false idea of, well, once you reach a certain point, like you're stuck too late, (laughs) like you missed your chance. Um, and I think even like younger generations feel that pressure even more. So like, if you don't have marriage and kids by 30 in a house, like then it's too late. And like, also I don't have my career together to be able to afford any of these things before 30, because all these other things. And so, um, some real mind games there. Yeah. But God, like we have to think about Jesus as like a human, didn't start his ministry until he was 30. Um, He had a whole nother career before he even launched his ministry. Moses started at 80. Yeah. He had some... (laughs) Yeah, and like he had another career, as it were, a couple of them. There, we have we have stories of like Mary and Joseph, where God speaks to them really young and calls them to this strict obedience and to uh, have Him be the Lord of their lives, yeah. um, and to make big bold statements as young professions of faith. But then you have these other stories of these patriarchs of the faith um, yeah. who are starting way way late. Um, and God, God still uses their stories. I think the Ancient of Days, someone has said the Ancient of Days is the only eternally young one. And if we're going to relate to him, there needs to be a youthfulness, a playfulness, a youth, you know, a youngness about our lives throughout our life where we're open to change. We have a beginner's mind. We're ready to start again. We're ready to switch, pivot, you know. Right. Yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. I think it's interesting. There's no staleness in Jesus. There, there is not. There's not. Um, you know, I think there's uh, there's a the breadcrumbs analogy is really good. I like that. And I think um, one of the things that I think God does, along with showing us um, 
by lo- showing us maybe our preferred future through you know the voice of others, the voices of the Word of God, the voice of of um, basically how you've been shaped. Um, there's some material out of uh, Saddleback called Shape, and uh, it basically does the same sort of thing. It takes spiritual giftedness, um, uh, your uh, SH heart, your uh, abilities, your personality, and your experience, and says those five things are, are some breadcrumbs that, yeah. to help you kind of God push in the right direction. In a holistic way to you. I would say I would say there's a couple other things that lean into that okay. uh, as well. I would say that at least I'm, I'm being drawn to think of this notion that sometimes God doesn't reveal your intended future because you're not ready for it, because He knows, uh, like Israel. There's a reason He chose Israel. There's a reason He waited to start Abraham and to choose a barren couple. He knew their success would never be able to be written on their own performance. And so I think sometimes uh, these breadcrumbs really only, we only become aware of them once we realize without God, we're not enough. So, and on one level, I think that's, uh, especially as, um, as we get older, you begin to learn that lesson like, there's oh, a yeah. deeper transformation, yeah, I, a brokenness, a humility. Yeah. Uh, like I'm, I'm, I'm never going to be a professional baseball player. You know, <laughs> it's just, <laughs> it's just not going to be me, right? But you, you, you come through those moments, you realize, oh, okay, those aren't, that isn't really me. I think that a good example of the the tangibility, like if you want to know if, and I, I know Trinity probably already knows this, but uh, because of the Jubilee conference and she sees it firsthand, but um, just as an anecdotal sort of evidence that if people will um, discover that God works in real life, he's building a city, not just, you know, it's interesting, eschatologically speaking, uh, there used to be another narrative that said what God was asked after was the pastoral life. Um, I mean, if you think about uh, if you think about our Quaker friends, different narrative, different eschatology, then God is actually leading to a city. So, but it was interesting. Uh, Tim it's Keller. A, it's a city surrounded by countryside. That's right. That's right. There's <laughs> a place for in, all of us on the farm. You can go in and out. Yeah. That's right. But I, I feel like um, Tim Keller is a great example of this. He went into Manhattan and planted a church among the most secular society and location around. And the way he did it was by saying, your life matters, your work matters. Uh, you don't have to become a monk and then leave the city, leave your life. God is using you now in this place. So it's it's really all of those things. It's it's fixing justice, but that's that's the way cities were built. They're, they're there to support, to protect, to... Uh, uh, and here's the beautiful it's thing. It's culture. It's civilization. To create culture. Cities yes. are there to foster culture, yeah. foster music, yeah. foster these and things. And they're creative environments that are very synergistic That's right. and explosive with creativity. God loves it when we feed the hungry, and he loves it when the artist plays a new song. Great stuff. It's tremendous, Trinity. Any parting thoughts, Tr- Trinity? And, and we'd like you to, would you pray and just lead us in prayer about these themes yeah. as well? But what are your concluding thoughts. Yeah, I think every time I'm on campus, I'm just so filled with hope for the future that this next generation, like how much they care, how much they want to participate, um, and how many churches around the world are wanting to tap into that and to embrace it 
and to be the hope of this world here today. And I think it's so easy to get caught up in all the terrible things that are happening um, and to get super overwhelmed into a place of immobilization. But as Christians, like we're called to this future of a garden like city. Like we already know the end of the story. We know who wins. We know our place in it. And we just want more people to be there with us. Absolutely. And we want to partner as vice regents with King Jesus, don't we? That's our place. That's where the energy's at. That's where the fulfillment is at, the joy. If we've been sort of sold a bill of goods about what the kingdom is, and it's a bunch of churchianity, and it's just a form of religion with no power, no efficacy, no 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 empowerment like we're talking about here, that's not it. We're called to something higher. We appreciate you and what you do. Yeah, um, thank you Trinity, so much. Would you just lead us in a prayer? Of course. Lord, um, we thank you so much for your your gift of everything. Everything is a gift from you. Um, We ask that you continue to move us and to shape us and to form us into your people that are culture makers, bringing abundance and order here to this world um, on your behalf. We ask that you continue uh, to give us hope and to give us eyes um, and a heart to see the future that you have, um, a heart for those that we don't see and to continue to challenge us. Yeah, we thank you so much. We love you and we praise you. Pray all this in your name. Amen. Well, I've thoroughly enjoyed this conversation in the cafe. Trinity Harrison-Clark, again, her website, ccojubilee.org slash about slash our team. Look up her name, Trinity Harrison-Clark, campus ministry staff and cross-cultural ministry associate with the Coalition for Christian Outreach. I appreciate your contributions, Matt. As always, Matt seems to surface on the podcast every so often as the spirit leads. Okay. It's a great topic, diving into the Gospels, diving into the New Testament, making sure that we fully understand all that the Gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ is. It's an invitation into a royal narrative. We are kingdom agents. We are empowered now as a royal priesthood. It's more than just merely getting your sins forgiven so you can make it into heaven. It's your big personal story fit in with a much bigger meta-narrative, the Jesus narrative that's unfolding. We have such promise, such positivity, such vision before us. It's just it's just wonderful. To learn more about the podcast, go to jesussmart.com. You can see the show notes page, which includes this episode as well as part one of this conversation, episode 95. You'll find links there, additional resources to dive deeper, The website for Trinity Harrison Clark is there, the link for that. We appreciate it when you rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. You need to know that it's now on iHeartRadio and Spotify, so if you have one of those apps, you can open it up, search for Jesus Smart the Podcast, listen to it right there, subscribe to it right there. We also have an e-letter which goes out nearly weekly, Next Level Ideas and Insights. We're all questing to develop as a Christ follower, to run with others who are doing the same, and to really grow and and optimize ourselves as an apprentice of his kingdom with the power of the word, the power of the spirit of Christ, the mentorship and the coaching of Christ. Well, Jesus is Lord. He's also brilliant. He knows how life works best. We'll talk with you next time. Mm